Five. You rolling? We're rolling. Are we? Okay. Yep. Okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hash Time. I'm your host, Mike Escamilla. In studio today, we have Austin Wynn, founder and director of treatment at Never Alone Recovery. Austin, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? My name's Mike. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <messing with you. laughs> oh, you had me confused I, I for a second. I wanted to be Mike, second. too, man. Oh. Sounded like a good deal. You can be whoever you want to be. All right. Thank you. That's always a positive thing. <laughs> hey, so uh, just a couple of things. What is this uh, Never Alone Recovery you got um, kind of going on? So uh, we basically help with everything. You can imagine it as Match.com for rehab and then some. So what we do is we deal on the ground with families. Um, we're a team basically interventionists, addicts in recovery, been through treatment more times than I'd like to admit. Um, and we just kind of saw a lot of problems with that. I mean, first and foremost, like, who needs what and what do you even look for? It's a very difficult thing for families to know what in the hell am I even looking for? What's going to be right for my kid? What's going to fit their needs? You know, and most importantly, like, where are they going to be comfortable and safe, which is, like, the main concern for any parent with a, a kid who's, who's using, drinking, what have you. Um, so a typical process looks like, you know, we get a call from a mom, for example, last night, okay, I had a call from a mom, her son had been before, uh, went to a number of short-term treatment centers, didn't really meet his needs, every time he got out, he got high again, so my job in that, and when I'm in that position, is like, what can we do differently, and where can we look that we haven't, um, so my job mostly was, you know, coaching her through this, helping her understand that she did the best she could with the information she had, that blame is a non-essential, we absolutely don't need it, and it doesn't help anyone. And then most importantly, like, what are the actionable steps we can take to, to change the situation? Because like, what we want is a different outcome, you know, because doing the same thing over and over again, it's at a certain point we're just wasting our time. And as you all know, you know, it's like a it's common trending topic, topic, opioid crisis and all that. It's We look at addiction generally because, yes, the likelihood of death from opioids is absolutely higher. But if we're treating this on the whole as what it is which is you know addiction is just it's a dynamic family issue and the way i look at it is you know you take someone who has like a cancerous glob of cells right you remove one of those cells get it into a healthy environment cell becomes healthy but then you replace it into the same toxic environment what happens over time gets uh contaminated right again. back where we started man sometimes worse and so what we do is we try to heal the whole system cohesively so work with the family and implementing boundaries and like having a healthier emotional relationship to their parenting style, understanding that, you know, they're already good enough. They've always been good enough and they're doing the best they can. But there are certain steps we can take that might lead to, again, different outcomes. And then we work on the client side um, with treatment, aftercare, and then when they get back, reintegration, because that's the biggest part. You see it in prisons. You see it with recidivism. Like, the hardest part is you get out. You're not built for this life anymore. You were meant to stay in prison. It's like a lot of people fall into the trap of, you know, I've been to rehab. I'm comfortable in the safe environment. Now, how do I exist? My goal isn't, like, so that you have the best time in rehab. Like, that's a cool thing to happen. But my goal is, like, you get home and you learn how to function within society, become a responsible, productive member of society that actually wants to be alive and thrive and have a life and develop goals. And, you know, and I was living in my car three and a half years ago. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, by choice, because I was too ashamed to go see my parents' face and let them know um, I let them down again. You know, it's like that whole cycle of trauma, shame, fear, anger, resentment. And we beat the living hell out of ourselves. And, uh, I'm not the, you know, the victim of anything other than my own choices and learning that was a big move, but, uh, it just took a, a decision. I got clean and like now it's like, I, uh, and again, it's not about the things, but it's like, I have the capability to pay a mortgage on my own house. Like I have a wife and a son that I'm like trusted to care for. And it's, uh, my mom always said like building self-esteem is essentially just accomplishing small tasks and goals every day. And, uh, she was spot on with that. And so that's what we try to do is just basically foster that process. Like, how can we get them into treatment, help the family get healthy, develop their own boundaries, and learn how to exist with things as they are? Um, and then from there, you know, we coordinate the whole treatment process. We make sure everything runs smoothly. Um, we created a access initiative with about 50 facilities around the U.S., like from California to the East Coast. 
um, where basically if they complete the program at our facilities, uh, they participate in debt forgiveness. So like you got like your deductible, your co-insurance, your out-of-pocket. That could be thousands, man, even with insurance. And what they're willing to do basically is if you complete their program and, and everything's going well, they're willing to forgive that debt, which is huge because you go locally around here. I have couple of my employees have you can leave with twenty thousand dollars in debt and you just know, from a treatment facility just one time from a 30-day rip wow so hey yeah man i'm, I'm trying to stop shooting heroin but like now i have twenty thousand dollars in debt and a collections agency chasing me down you know what i mean so it is what it is you know but we do what we can to uh our whole thing is like just eliminate as many barriers to entry as we can like what is good what's it going to take to help you find yourself and get to like a, a good productive environment where you can actually learn how to live again or maybe even for the first time as in my case where exactly did like your addiction begin how did it begin i should say oh boy uh 15 15 uh I kind of have actually boiled it down not to go straight up dark here, but a good friend of mine committed suicide when he was 15. And it wasn't until years later that I actually connected the dots that like, wow, that's when, because like the thing with addiction is like, say you have a trauma early on in your life, it could be anything. And then you find drugs. It doesn't matter. It's like it's weed, alcohol, pill. It doesn't matter. You find some sort of substance and you use it. And all of a sudden you feel that that relief and so what you know no kid knows when they're 15 is you know i'm building a behavior pattern that is going to be so difficult to undo so like you have this trauma which is left untreated and then you use drugs for the first time you feel relief drugs become that coping mechanism to deal with that trauma but then where addiction comes in is it becomes eventually where that coping mechanism of using drugs now becomes the trauma for which I use drugs in the first place. And it closes the loop. And now you're stuck. So, like, you used because of something horrific or, you know, sad, whatever happened. Drugs make it feel better only because you don't feel, not because it made it go away. But then eventually the problems from the drug use become more of the trauma that you got high over in the first place. And then you're stuck. And that's kind of... That's kind of it. But I, I think that's what happened in that moment. Is like That was my way of dealing with that by not having to deal with it, if that makes sense. What was your drug of choice? Eventually, heroin and benzos. Um, almost always used together. Wow. But, yeah. that's, that's a pretty potent cocktail. If, yeah, you know, not a good consumed, call. right? Definitely like, That's what took... Uh, do Heath, not do that. Heath Ledger, right? Isn't that... Yeah, pretty much. Opioids and benzos. I mean, that's a... It's a pretty run-of-the-mill... I, I, don't quote me, but uh, I was reading the other day somewhere around the 40th percentile range. They're saying like somewhere around 40 percent of heavy drug users like are poly substance users, so multiple substances at one time. And I, what I've seen in my life with opiates, is benzos and those they they go together, typically. Like a lot of like heroin addicts, opiate addicts, like Vicodin addicts, all the same thing. A lot of them fall into that category of benzos and opiates because they 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 fuel each other. So they strengthen each other. How long were you an addict for? Always will be. But how long did I use for? Maybe eight, nine years, just about. Wow. Yeah. That's quite some time. (laughs) Overdoses, things like that happen to you? Yeah. Not that often, but still one is too many. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I definitely agree on that. What was your rock bottom? I was told early on, and I think it's like a very insightful thing to know about the rock bottom thing, is like you find your bottom when you put the shovel down. So basically when you stop digging, you'll find that bottom. It could be anything. Because like I met people, it's like just getting scolded by their significant other was enough. You know? But uh, for some people, like myself, man, I was losing everything and everyone. Um, that's why I really appreciate like Nal coming, you know, inviting me. Like this is one of my few friends that i had from back in the day that'll uh just you know he's a good man though it's different he's you know him and his cousin just they're both always accepting me no matter what like now maybe hang out with me is a little different question which i get that but like once i got clean and everything you know they were never never turned me away but uh yeah rock bottom i was in college i went to purdue west lafayette 
and it was just it was all bad <laughs> it was all bad man i didn't go to class at all didn't do anything hurt a lot of people um but yeah it was pretty much at the point in time when like you don't have anyone left so that confirms all the things you already think about yourself insecurity you know shame guilt anger remorse um because i like parents will ask like do they even care when they're talking about like their kids like do they even care like yeah like hence why we're still in this pattern you know what i mean it's just you can't see out of it so you think that you're condemned to it so you stay in it but yeah my bottom was pretty much just ending up uh Pretty much destitute and alone. You could pretty much call it that. So you finally decided, like, it's time for me to just get my ass clean the and first, start working on myself. I mean, my family finally put their foot down. That was the big one. Is they said, like, look, here's your choices. Treatment or bye. And Basically, I chose like, treatment. They, they did for me what I couldn't do for myself. So with, like, the word <clears throat> bye, like, that's like, we're going to disown you. <laughs> Pretty much. I kicked myself out. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the truth of it. It's like, here's these conditions to live in this house where we support you in every way. Don't do heroin. Which is a pretty reasonable... It's a pretty reasonable ask. You know what I mean? And uh, I kicked myself out. Like, that's what happened. If we're looking at it honestly. And I ate a lot of, a lot of like... You know, we're talking to clients and stuff. They get a little wrapped up in the... Uh, I get it. It feels that way. But, like, you know, my, my parents did this to me. Like, you know, this is not the truth. I mean, sometimes do we act in a volatile way? Yeah. But you got to understand, like, it's a, especially in the parent context, you're watching the thing you created that you love most in the world destroy itself. It's going to be terrifying. But, uh, but, yeah, they basically told me, like, you can't stay here. You have to go to treatment or you, you can't stay here. And, uh, yeah, I did it. I was clean for a couple of years. The problem was, all, like, all the problems surrounding drug use were gone. So, like, I didn't get arrested. I didn't, you know, they weren't finding things in the house. But the real problem didn't change. Like, I still had an absolute inability to have a relationship. I was still outrightly selfish, like, self-righteous to the core. Um, condescend. Like, I, I didn't change... Because, like, my perspective, opinion um, of addiction is, is that drugs are the consequence. Like, drugs are the, they're, they're the consequence of a series of decisions that happen way before you ever get high for the first time. Like, addiction is just, it's, it's so much more than that. That's why you look at, like, it doesn't matter, like, porn, gambling, like it's all the same deal. It doesn't matter if it's drugs or out, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, drugs are how I coped with the trauma from addiction. And they eventually become part of it. But if I boil it down in simplistic terms, like it's just it's an absolute feeling of helplessness and an overwhelming thought of worthlessness is how I'd put it. So Would I, you say that's how you felt a lot of the time? Just worthless? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I am a vile piece of shit. <laughs> like most of the time, <laughs> oh yeah. We go right to that. Because uh Everything I did confirmed that, you know, and like that's that. See, that's the, the trap, though, is like I look at it like you have a choice between like fear and faith every day. We all do same choice. And like, it doesn't matter if you're religious, doesn't matter if you're Catholic, like Buddhist, like none of that matters. I'm saying like if you believe in something, anything, like it doesn't matter. Atheist or not, we have a choice between like fear and faith every day. And like I just chose fear because that's the only option I knew. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, you hit that point of, like, I got nothing left. And, like, someone catches you at the right moment with, like, a suggestion, you know. Or, like, you meet someone, like, like, like say, you know, you're using it, you meet me, and, I, you know, I use for a long time. And like, now I don't. You see me living a totally different life, and you're like, how the fuck do I get that? I need that. How do I give me some of that, you know? And almost just seeing it is what makes it feel like it could be real. And uh, he's got to kind of act as if. That's really, like, you you know, better thinking comes through better living, not the other way around. I can't think my way into better living. I have to live my way into better thinking. I point my actions, my thoughts will follow. It's just a matter of coming from the inside out instead of the outside in, you know? And you lost a lot of stuff in your life, essentially. Being an addict. <sighs> possessions or not possessions? Yeah, 
did I did I liquidate my asset portfolio? Yes, and by that I mean like did I like sell all my video games and shit like that? You Make know? a trip to the pawn store. Yeah, quite a few. I had a platinum member basically at that point. Disc replay. You know what I'm saying? No, but it's not funny. It is funny, but not. Um, but yeah, I mean, did I lose a lot of stuff? Yeah, but I'll tell you this. I regret the pain my family went through and my friends and everyone and even me. But I wouldn't change a thing. That was like a learning experience for you. Wouldn't change a thing. Essentially. Can it's a gift. Can we use that? Yeah. A gift, a learning like experience. It seems something. nuts, but it was a gift because had I not like let me hit you let me hit you with something real quick. You ready, Nalito? You ready? Come on, let's get you with this. Uh <clears throat> had I not ever gone into that um path or not followed that path i would have continued to chase money as a means to fulfillment i would have tried to find a nice like just a, a job that paid me well doing whatever it was that paid well well even it's like taking advantage of other people say if i'm like making a living off other people's misery like it wouldn't have mattered as it was, i was chasing money and status and prestige and all these things that are worthless you know and uh i would have like honestly i imagine like i'd have probably been like some sort of account executive um wearing probably sperry boat shoes i just would imagine no offense but anywhere, i'm just saying that that's what i would have been doing i would have been dressed real nice all the time super condescending probably like a loveless marriage probably some infidelity distant relationship with my kids like i could see where my life would have went because that's who i was that who i thought i was then and then if I had any you like I love that I ripped everything down to the studs because it gave me an opportunity to rebuild it into whatever I want. And like in that process I learned so much about who I am, who I was meant to be, like what it is to be in a family, like what real friendship looks like, like how do I participate in a relationship? Um what do I want to do with myself? Like do I want to like help people and do the best I can to be what I'd consider to be like a kind, loving person, or do I just want to do things that feel good? And like, surprise, I did things that felt good for eight or nine years, and that's getting high. Like, I, I proved to myself that chasing those feelings doesn't get me anywhere. It just brings more pain and misery. Like, I don't really see anything as intrinsically bad or good. It's just relevance. Like, so in the context of my life, like, a good example is like heroin by itself. Just imagine heroin substance. To like a 98-year-old terminal cancer patient, that's a good thing. It's it's helpful because, yeah. you know, they're dying on their last legs. They're comfortable. Like, it's a useful, helpful thing. Put it in my hands, chaos and destruction. So is it really the thing that's bad? No, it's my relationship to it. And so what I got was the opportunity to examine my relationship to me and everything else. And then, yeah. A lot of self-destruction, huh? Once Yo, it gets into your hands. Hell yeah. Oh, absolutely, dude. Burn. You, you, you remember in, uh, what's it called, Harold and Kumar? It's like, come on, Pookie, we're going to burn this mother down. Pookie, come on, we're going to burn this mother down. That's how it was every day. Except I was Pookie and the other guy <laughs> and the building. And just burning everything Let's down. Just burn it down, baby. Just destroying the yeah. whole fucking you city. Just, it's, a, it's recklessness. You don't. I mean, if think about it, if I don't value my life at all, how could I even possibly value your life? If I don't value my belongings, how could I value your belongings? I don't. So just rip and run. Do what you can. Take what you want. It's a horrible way to live, you know? Um, Leo and I did an episode that was recently posted, and that's kind of like we kind of got on that topic. Hmm. But it was more so like self-control. like Topic of Wayne Brady? No. <laughs> no just, <laughs> just Somebody but, say Wayne Brady? Okay, never mind. <laughs> just like in general, it was like addiction, <clears throat> self control. Like, there's still some things mm. that I still struggle with. Like, I, I did coke for a fucking long time, mm -hmm. and uh, I s slipped away from that in 2012. <clears throat> and I kind of just I had too much of a bad experience. Okay. At one point, <laughs> it was actually it was uh, Halloween of 2012. Okay. A super bad experience for me. Um, so. Uh, come November first, without trouble. I'm just like I'm not putting fucking nothing in my body. <laughs> right on. I mean, I I, I would you know I, I'd still smoke cigarettes because I felt my body stressing. People yeah. say like Coke isn't an addictive drug. 
people are just like, well, you know, when you get this in your hands or that in your hands, it's 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 totally not the same. But like, it is. Who the hell said that? I've heard people. I've had people tell me that, like, oh, yeah, Coke. <laughs> yeah, Coke's not an addictive drug. Not, you know, just, just go ahead, it's, take a piece, baby. It's, it's fine. What I liked, and I, I used to just enjoy feeling just like amped up and just ready to like take on the world. Yeah, but I would never take on the world. I would just Dopamine. take on myself. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> essentially, is how it was, and I was just like burning myself out, and <clears throat> I was just finding different ways to uh, manipulate people or anything like that to where like even like if i didn't have money i always knew how to get it yeah i'm not saying i like got on my knees and sucked some dick for some coke that's you know <laughs> do what you gotta do but i i, I coin star had my ways of getting it sometimes it meant you know having a debt to a drug dealer for a while yeah hell yeah and like dude i will get you money like yeah dude trust me on this dude, you, I, you've trusted the me checks before. in my house dude like i'm just come on dude like checks in my house i just don't have it right now like dude i'll be back in like an hour dude just like come on come on man come on man we go way back the one thing that i guess separated me though from some people is i never went out of my way to steal from anybody else yet i sold things that i had i yeah. lost a lot of things though that were i guess they had like a sentimental value mm. <clears throat> and I, it's just to like, who, to you, yeah. So you armed yourself. Yes. Um, Same deal. It happens, right? Shit happens. Damn Whoa. it! No, you just will you turn your phone off? You yeah. know what? I want to apologize, to everyone. That is so just. Dis- oh my! You know what? I'm. This is it. I'm. I'm heading out. Phone on silent, man. Come on, man. You've been the audio guy for a while now. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> oh, Risk it was level you. Level two, potential spam. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, I would like to extend my car warranty. Yes, but let me, real quick, let me give you my social first, just so we can make sure all the accounts logged in. I'll give you my credit card when you're done after that. Then after yeah. I'm going to sign you off my uh, my account number and my routing number. Yeah. And give you my login information to my bank. Just in case the, the first three don't work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You ever, uh, quick question, fire away. Um, do you ever find yourself uh, like two in the morning, like uh, scrubbing the baseboards, doing some sort of weird cleaning activity while you're on, yeah. on the cocaine? Of course. That's how you know you're living. <laughs> it's like fucking it's four in the morning and you just scrubbed a coffee pot for like six hours. I think at the absolute worst, though, I was I was doing coke just because I, I used to love like when it would hit the back of your tongue and you get those drips and you're like, oh, that's good. And then I would, you know, follow those through with like amphetamines, which is totally not healthy. Yeah. And then... Uh, so you're you're some stem, you're stemsman, some uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I Moving very much am. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like e- even like as as long as it's been since I've gotten high on those, um, it it still crosses my mind. Interesting. Don't get me wrong, like there's still sometimes I'm just like I I I wouldn't mind just one little. What's that thought process look like? What do you mean? So say like what's a typical situation? Like you're sitting there, you know, playing some VGs. Getting down. Uh, for me, it's if I'm out drinking. But oh yeah, that's I've, a, I've been that's learning a stereotypical. One. I've been learning the self control on alcohol now. A yeah. lot. Like I'll still go out. Like me and him. Like I mean, we could split a four pack of beer, and we're fine. Like, yeah. We it's it's more so like the the self control aspect. You don't have to get drunk every time you drink. Right, and I mean that's the whole thing. Is like that's when it. I don't know if we're talking like when does it become addiction and when is it not the delusion of self, you know what I mean? It's like it all comes down to like what happens when you want to say no, can you? Because like that's the the real differentiator for me is like when I when people it's like you're using against your will. Like I know I don't want to do this, which was like honestly the last five years of me getting high. I was like, God, why? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like, why am I doing this? And like that seems insane, which it absolutely is. But See, um, like that was like me though. But like I would write notes to myself and I'd stick them on my wall. Mm-hmm. But it was like me hating myself. So I would like write to myself like I hate you. Yeah. You know, like just things that I would do because like I would regret the way that I would feel. Of course, man. Sober Mike and you know geeked up Mike didn't they never got along. Yeah, I wasn't geeked up. Mike always had the he had his upper hand on things. You know. Yeah. I uh I I scrounged the floor in the winter time because I dropped a bag of coke and I didn't find it for like six hours. And I'm out there and like I'm like running low and I'm like oh what did I do with it? Yeah. So I 
discovered the flashlight on my phone that I was totally unaware of, and I found it. Yeah, just smashed into the snow, and I'm like, yes, oh my god, I'm like, this is a jackpot. Yeah, like you the know, most, I'm like, mmm, it's mmm, a mmm. glorious moment. Exactly, and like that's a, it's a sad picture. It is. Been there. I'm not judging you. <laughs> yeah. Like I've sifted through gravel for five hours because I thought I dropped a bag, like in a parking lot. Yeah. See, I didn't drop. You know a bag. exactly how it is. You thought <laughs> That's you did. The thing. It, I could have. So let's err on the side of caution here, and do the reasonable thing. And let's let's spend like four to six hours outside at like two in the morning when it's 30 degrees to look for this just in case yeah exactly because like, there, yeah there's i no. want to make sure it's just not out here i just want to be safe i know it's not but i want to make sure or maybe so, i dropped one a couple weeks ago and it's still out here yeah so let me ask you something you said something interesting you said like there's coke mike and then there's uh regular mike yeah okay Coke Mike, you know, has, has a grasp on the on things and the world and feels that you can accomplish things and, and thrive, right? Is kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. What if that is already inside you? If it is, I haven't found it yet. Yet. I'm still doing some soul searching because there's still some <clears throat> things, you know, I still struggle with. I, I, I still struggle with, like, I mean, you. it, it was even up until like a month ago. Mm-hmm. It was like drinking every day. Like that was my way of like putting my ass to sleep because mm. I've, I've, I've shift changed. So I went, you know, I'm not going to put nothing in my body. Substitution basically. Yeah, pretty much. And then it's, you know, I got into, I started like heavy drinking in 2015, mm-hmm. but like the middle of 2014 was like leading up to that. Cause I, I noticed I was drinking a lot more, but it wasn't up until like. 2016 2017 some of my friends were like dude you're like an alcoholic man like don't you feel weird drinking a beer in the morning and i'm like no man come on live laugh love let's fucking party live laugh love (laughs) exactly let's let's get this going yeah i mean mate i can still catch a little buzz sometimes and i'll be fine there's just some other things you know that i i prevent myself like don't get me wrong like now it's like i go every day pretty much i'm just like okay I, i could have you know four beers i'll be fine as opposed to, I don't need a whole fucking 12 and a pint mm-hmm. to, you know, completely knock myself on my ass. Mm-hmm. Which is like, that's where I got to, almost at my complete worst mm-hmm. with drinking. But then, you know, I, I got it introduced to, you know, some Vicodins and whatnot. And then I was drinking on those. And yeah, 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 yeah. A couple Xanax here and there, some oh, Ativan, yeah. drinking on those. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm going to cut these out, but I'm going to stick to my, you know, daily drinking every day. Am I just daily getting fucked up? But there's just something that I guess I could describe. I, I, I can't say like a rock bottom because I feel like alcohol never really made me lose anything. And it's just social for me now. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I just woke up one day and I'm like, ugh, I'm like hungover as shit. I'm at work. I'm like sweating out bullets. And I'm like, I can't be doing this every day. Yeah. I'm like 30s knocking on my doorstep soon. I can't. <laughs> yeah. This is not going to happen to me no more. So what am I going to do in these steps? So I started kind of monitoring it. I'm not going to drink today. Now, I will be honest. You, you might have a disagreement. I did pick up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm smoking a little pot here and there. Mm-hmm. But that actually helped with my withdrawal symptoms I was getting from alcohol. My first full day I went without drinking. My stomach was cramping up. I was sweating. I was shaking. I felt like I had to puke. I felt like something was just like, like I ate like some bad contaminated food. Just a quick disclaimer. <clears throat> that Just so everyone knows that's listening, do not fuck with alcohol withdrawal. You can die. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I have did alcohol a lot of research. Alcohol and benzos, do not. I always urge people, like, look, there ain't no cost greater than your life. Yeah. So, alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol withdrawal can uh. It's one of the worst. It can put your body in like a like a shock almost. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Going especially if you start experiencing like DTs or any type of like delirium, like you just gotta <clears throat> you gotta get some help at that point. Yeah, so you could seize up and die. I mean, alcohol's uh, alcohol's a beast, man. I mean, it's it's the worst. And doing what I do, like it's the worst to deal with. Um, maybe just because that wasn't my deal, and I'm not saying like I am immune to because like would I ever. Drink every day? No. But here's what would happen. Say I drink three, four days in a row. Eventually, I'm drunk enough that I'd say, you know what? It's time for some heroin. Mm. So it's it's in the same, again, to me, alcohol is a drug because it, it 
yeah, quite literally is. Legal. <laughs> yeah. And that's the hard part. It's like I couldn't imagine what it's like to like you try to get your life together and you come out like there are no billboards that says like you know, try heroin on Super Bowl Sunday and there's like a big old shot of dope up there. Like, you don't see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a different it's uh I feel for people that uh struggle with alcohol because it, it is everywhere. It's 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 you'll realize when you don't drink as much or maybe stop drinking how much it's ingrained. Like how much it's been sold to us, like as a society, as mm-hmm. a people. And that it's factored into like almost every celebration and almost think about it like weddings birthday it's everything and then conversely it's sewn into every you know place of mourning or sadness you lose your job what do you think about drinking yep. you see like still think about it, like a generic movie like that's what usually what I, they lose their job sad depression drink you know they get married everyone's happy like oh yep happy 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 drink it's built into the fabric of our society. And that, that begs the question to me is why? Why is that? Why is it so acceptable? I mean, we all know profit, money, like we get that. But it, I've always, it's always like begged the question in my mind of like just how much are we afraid to like experience life in its entirety without the escape? I enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah. I, since I gave it up, I can honestly say that, like, the pot itself, marijuana, cannabis, jazz cabbage, whatever. The jails, the devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. Mm. <laughs> um, like, that actually... Wayne Brady, everyone! <laughs> God, I would kill for Wayne Brady right now. Sorry. Back to the topic. Oh, no. No, you're good. Um, that actually, like, eased up a lot of the withdrawal symptoms, and I noticed, like... Absolutely. When yeah. I would start to feel it, I don't just run, take a couple tokes, mm-hmm. wait till it kicks, and I'm like, I, I feel fine now. But I, I except I have a little bit more energy. I feel like I want to be active. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I follow up now with doing some exercises and whatnot. Because I think, like, right now, like, the toxic side of it's gone. Okay. Like, the bad withdrawals, like, I th- it was, like, three, four days ago or something. I didn't do anything. I just felt fine. I just didn't feel like doing nothing. Didn't feel like having a beer. Didn't feel like, you know, toking up some jazz cabbage. I just felt fine. No withdrawal symptoms, no stomach pains. That's good. No source of, like, anxiety, depression issues because that was like a bitch for me too and i would know when my body would start to experience the withdrawals like especially getting off of work before i gave up drinking yeah because i would start to feel like shaky and anxious yeah i'm like yeah, I'm, I'm just coming. gonna pick up a couple tall cans <clears throat> and i go and i get my couple tall cans i knock those back and i'm just like oh all right i feel great i'm ready to you know go on and i'm like hmm you know what else i should have done i should have picked up a 12 pack and a pint from the liquor store yeah came home and just chilled to myself knocked these back yeah but everything would start to downward spiral from there. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm drunk and I'm bored and I'm just like, man, I want to do something. Find yourself completely nude in the middle of a Walmart, screaming, covered in beans. Not yet. <laughs> um, go to the bar afterwards. Yeah. Drink some more. Start inviting people over. Next thing you know, like I'm fucking broke. Oh, yeah. You partying, baby. <laughs> That's uh, where it came down to. But I've... I just try to keep the more positive mindset. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do think to it, like, especially now on, like, the Monday through Friday basis, or, like, Monday through Thursday, and still think of it like, eh, I'm not going to, like, get shit-faced today. I'm not going to have a drink today. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep that in my head, and, I mean, I, I slip up just as much as everybody else. I'm not saying I'm trying to go completely sober. Eventually, I will. And as of right now, I got to... Is that a real goal? Is that something you want? Eventually. Why do you want it eventually? Because uh, I figured once I bring kids into the world, I don't want like my kids to see me drink. Oh, okay. Or that. anything like that. So right now, just get it all out while I can. I keep it, you know, a couple days a week, maybe even one day a week now. Which is still a big step. That's a big change. Like You can ask that guy. That's a, that's a big step for me. <laughs> no, that's good, man. It's like the manageability of your life increases. It's always good. But let me ask you something. Let me answer something. Do you think... Say, like, let's just run a hypothetical here. Um, say you plan to have kids in five years, right? Do you, would you consider it? And I'm asking these, Jen, these are not like uh, rhetorical questions. I really want to know. I, I like it. I like to f- see how people think. It interests me. Um, but uh, say you're going to have kids in five years, and like the whole plan is like, you know what, after in four and a half years, I'm going to go straight on sobriety, baby. Like, no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Why not do it now? 
I guess the question is, what are you waiting for? And then the follow-up question is, do you think it'd be easier to wait until it's time? Because think about what kids, things, something like kids means. And like, I don't know the baby deal I married into the kid thing, and my son's seven. Wonderful kid. Um, so like, probably less stress than most. But the thing I do know is like, no matter what, it's increased pressure, responsibility, stress. Like, there's tons of wonderful things that come with it, but there's a lot of responsibility, stress, anxiety, you know, all that comes with it. Do you think that you're more likely to succeed at not doing something that's difficult enough to not do when you have all that added pressure? Do you think it'd be easier to do it then rather than to do it now so that you're already equipped and you're stable in the lifestyle so that by the time you have kids, that extra pressure and stress is going to bother you none? Because think about it. If up until this point, it's become a means to deal with stress, Mm -hmm. do you think it'd be easier to not do it when you add an exponential, like an I'm telling you, an infinitesimal amount of stress compared to the life you've lived thus far. Oh, man, that's a good question, honestly. That's a question for you to ponder. Mm. You don't need to answer that. I mean, you can if you want. We can work through this together. What I'm hearing is, like, maybe someday, one day. But then that someday, one day is during a time where the pressure and stress and... I guess even, like, a someday, one day for me would Mm -hmm. even just be, like... It would just be like an occasional drink, you know, if there's like a wedding, you know, yeah, have a glass of champagne or, you know, have a glass of champagne on New Year's. That would seem. But you don't have to get. Yeah. So then that would suggest that it's unpleasant now. Go like 300 and what would that be out of all the holidays we have or whatever? Maybe like 300 and like 50 days of the year without touching alcohol. But my, my big, my big challenge though for 2020 Mm-hmm. Which is like right around the corner. Because I'm going to make a point. It's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to make a point to literally only have one drink the entire year. Why not zero? I'm only saying one because it's for my birthday. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to do it all year, why compromise one day? And think about it. You're telling me you're going to have one drink. And you, you know what? That's enough. I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> Come on, hey, guy. Honestly, my Come tolerance on, my tolerance has even slipped Come down on, a lot. Guy. Let's get honest here. We're getting honest. We're getting Let's honest, get honest here. here. I like what we're talking Mike in the morning. Tell Mike me. In the morning. I mean, a full 365 days, though, too, does sound a little bit more doable, especially if it's just going to be one. What's the point? I mean, if we're talking, that's what I look at. It's like if we're like, we're talking about like rationalization, justification, like why do all that work and all this planning just like if we have to do all this work, planning, forethought, and action just to have one drink a year, could your energy be better spent elsewhere? You know what I'm saying? The fact that we have to go through all this just for this one little thing suggests that it's a pretty big thing, which suggests that not doing it is harder than doing it. Can't even say that, honestly, because I can manage it. I've managed it now for about a month, which I thought, honestly, okay. at one point, I thought it was completely impossible. Okay. I mean, I just, as you're saying about it, let's, <clears throat> let's, let's throw away the term addiction for right now. Let's just look at this. It's just simple. Is this manageable? Is my life better? Because, like, what everybody wants is quality of life. They want happiness, right? Like, that's what we yeah. all strive for. It's like joy, sustained joy and fulfillment. Is that more likely to lead to joy and fulfillment or less likely to lead to joy and fulfillment based on your experience, only your experience, not what you know about me or him or anything else based on only your life experience. Cause that's all we got. If I start telling you about your life experience then I'm full of shit already, I can tell you about mine, but odds are that if it, if it catches you, like if you have someone tell you something and it just like kind of stops you in your tracks, like I remember one instance where somebody looked at me in the middle of my using, and they're like, you're a fucking piece of shit. Like, you're a scumbag. And it fucked me up. Why? Because I already knew it was true. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like, if you told me I was a scumbag, I would tell you, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I would leave here, and I, I would think about it for a minute. I would, Because I'm always open. You yeah. might see something that I don't. So what I do is I analyze my behavior, talk to a few people who know me really well, suss it out, and I would come to the conclusion that, you know what, no, I'm not. And again, I'm sorry you feel that way. Why? Because I know it's not true. Mm-hmm. So then... That's why I think experience is valuable, because like if my experience resonates at all, then that means because somewhere deep down in this voice, because all this shit is, like anxiety, depression, 
feelings of worthlessness, desire for self-harm, all that is, is like, they're all just like these little children. It's like a child inside that is screaming for attention. And what we're doing is we're telling it to shut up or we're ignoring it. But the cries only get louder until eventually it's so overwhelming that that's all we hear. And that's how you get to situations where you decide to take your own life or you decide to harm yourself, to, you know, greatly or we decide to isolate completely from all people that care about us is because we ignore those voices inside. And like Carl Jung, like my favorite human being that's ever lived, you know, he once said to paraphrase, like, you know, we can't we don't even know the light until we've encountered the shadows. Like only until we've spent time with those darkest parts of ourselves do we actually get to see the good in all of us. You know what I mean? So, like, that, that I always think about, I was like, it's not that, like, say, like, I'm not saying what you are. You Like, anyone is an alcoholic, addict, whatever, if they say they are. That's not for me to say or decide. Yeah. But my question is, is, like, if we were to put that much thought into something so minuscule as one drink a year, is like, why are we even doing this? That's my question. Well, my other thing is, too, is that I only, I only calculated that just for the year of 2020. What does that mean? For me to have just that one drink for the year. Yeah, but he's asking why does that have any purpose? No, no. Well, I'm just saying, though, like for the birthday reason. I'm saying if you had to do a calculation (laughs) to get to that point, are you trying to justify it to yourself? No. No? Yeah. I don't know the answer. You do. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that crossed my mind because like a full-on sobriety hasn't like hit my mind in like years if it wasn't hitting your mind we wouldn't be talking about it baby yeah i know <laughs> you don't have to be 100 percent ready you just gotta have one percent but it's it like the only thing though too is like the weight gain like i've, I've lost some weight from uh-huh. not drinking my face has swelled down a substantial amount oh my yeah it was just like bloated oh, and just yeah. like Ugh. yeah i look like a mess i was it wrecked i would body. be a hot mess but i would still look like a mess yeah <clears throat> but like there's just things that i want to like start being active with okay and just like increasing like my energy mm-hmm. being more active like actually start running losing more weight getting a little bit more in shape and i gotta remember too like you know once a certain age hits it's impossible to you know start losing yeah <laughs> you end up gaining more can i make a suggestion a then just one i'm open and just go a day at a time fuck that one drink a year don't make any decision don't say no drinks don't say one drink but for today decide no drinks yeah I mean, that was already my goal for today because it's Good. Thursday. It's a weekday. <laughs> but that just for today shit is profound. Like they say a lot in like some of the 12-step fellowships, but like it's been around since the Bible. It's been around since the Upanishads and Hinduism. Presence in the moment is the answer to suffering. And so that's why I'd say like anybody, you included, like, yeah, maybe it's not destroying your life. I'm not saying it sounds like full-blown addiction. It doesn't. Yeah. But does it bring value? I mean, I guess this is the way I look at my life. Is like everything I look at is like, does this bring value and joy to my life? If it doesn't, it's done. I'm done with it. So the question I is, I can't is like, say it brings joy. Okay. I mean, there's just something you know, just kick back, fucking bullshit, play a couple games, have a couple tall cans. But I, mean, I can't say a, a tall can. I can say like a, like a crafty drink, a so craft brew. And would just you like bullshit on it? You know what I mean? Would there be no joy in those activities if you do it sans tall can without the without the beer? Would you still enjoy the activities? I mean, yeah, of course. So, is it but about the activities, or are the activities the excuse to drink? It's about the activities, okay. and then just the booze. Then just enjoy comes them without in. the drink. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's obtainable, uh, right? Because <laughs> I mean, that's what we have to look at. It's like if the activities become the background. Where eventually, like in my life, again, just my life, everything I did became a reason to do those things. Originally, I just, like, I loved playing music, or I loved, uh, you know, playing video games or, or talking with people. Like, I loved those things, and eventually drugs came in so heavy that it, it those things became the excuse to get high, to use the drugs, to drink. And I lost sight of everything that mattered. So, like, I lost all the joy that I'd once experienced in those things. And that's the only reason I asked that is because, like, you know, there's more joy to be had. It's just how can we do that? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I still do some things, um, like other activities where, like, before I'd be, like, fucked up on it. Like guitar. I, mean, I like playing guitar, mm-hmm. skateboarding, things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I've been able, though, to manage myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to fuck around with it, you know? That's I good. I, I don't need it. You know, I, I, I don't need to be, you know, 
fucked up on some fucking Vicodins to fucking enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, even like, even on like a, a self-control point, it was honestly, it was self-control for me to be like, I'm not going to pop, I'll, I'll drink, but I'm not going to pop a Vicodin while I drink. Just to get that nice, That's little, good. That nice little weird high. <laughs> so then I would postulate that if it's not an issue, then not doing it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I guess it is. You know what I mean? Self-control. Does it, like, I just always thought, like, you know, I asked this kid the other day where he's like, you know, it's not a problem. Like, my, you know, he was, and I was asking him, like, okay, does the thought of never doing it again bring you any anxiety? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, then it sounds like yeah, it's see, a I don't, problem. Yeah, see, I don't get anxious from, like, That's never good, doing then. it again. And just one day at a time, take it slow. Take like it I slow. said, I mean, I, there's just, I, I feel way better now than I did, you know, a month ago. Once my body started to process, that's good, man. That shit is hard to stop. I commend of course, you for it is. That. <laughs> it's fucking difficult. I, I don't envy the position of anyone. It was difficult alcohol. because even like a month and a half ago, I was like thinking to myself, like, man, I fucking love drinking so much. Like, this is a part of my life now, forever. And that, yeah. That's how I've adapted this. I'm gonna fucking enjoy like every minute of it, and you know, eventually I'm just gonna have a fridge in my house and fucking if our in my garage and just keep that packed with beer and you yeah. know, be that dad that goes It'll out to the garage and drinks exactly <laughs> but when you think of it it's the wear and tear it does to you yeah alcohol absolutely like everything rips but like your body apart alcohol like uh excessive drinking of like hard liquor will like destroy your esophagus and destroy literally your stomach every lining. internal organ yeah you will die. organ failure 100 is one of the one of the uh things you know that happens from overconsumption because it's a depressant. I was actually reading about it being mm-hmm. like a depressant. And they say eventually at some point when it starts affecting your brain a little bit more, it, yeah, your brain forgets it's how to the operate. It's damaging certain, of every drug, yeah, and it, including meth. Your brain forgets how to function these certain organs. So like they say, you know, like you, you kind of forget how to breathe. Yeah. You know, then your body forgets, you know, your heart's supposed to be pumping. Yeah, absolutely. And it just rips apart the lining. And you won't, you won't realize it because you'll be fucking stumped out, fucking laying in your puke. Yeah. And it'll just be slowly just tearing away at you, and then you're, that's how you just kind of give up. Yeah. Oh, I don't <coughs> envy that, man. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Hell no. Honestly. Or like choking your own vomit. No. That was honestly, that was a fear of mine for a long time. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's possible. Choking I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to be full-blown alcoholic. It could be your first time drinking. You fall asleep on your back, you throw up in your mouth, and it's done. It's done. Gone. Yeah. But the fact that, like, you even laid it out for me, though, too, like, would you be, like, anxious, like, the thought of never doing it again make you anxious? Like, that gives me reassurance to myself. Like, no, I'm not. Because, see, I never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. So I think of that, and I'm just like, huh. You know, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't put me in fear of it, you know? It's a fear of the future is what I learned anxiety was. Yeah, and the fear of what's is, to come. <laughs> fear is only of the future, right? Like you just said, which means it hasn't happened yet, right? Yep. Which means it's only in my mind, which means it's not real. And then uh, there was another one, like depression is uh, like being too caught up in the past. Yeah. Thinking about things, decisions and whatnot that yeah, might I mean, have led up to you feeling that certain way. Of course, you know, foot in the past, foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. There's still like times, like don't get me wrong though too, because like I do kind of... Uh, I, I still get caught up with like some depression and anxiety from oh, time to time. Oh, shit's real. I recommend therapy to literally any human being that has a heartbeat because why not? It's honestly, though, too, like that's not even as bad, but there's just sometimes it just comes creeping around its corner, yeah. you know, like, hey, open up, let me in. Yeah. You know, but I found my ways around it without having to substitute anything. Have you ever thought about walking through it? What do you mean? Walking Like, like taking it. a walk? Walking right into it. <laughs> investigating it yes what is this really i actually about? did that like uh like with my anxiety and depression i was able to identify like my triggers that's good and things that do it so like identifying those help me out yeah. but it's like so the things i do not avoiding now. it you're addressing it yeah that's i address it because part. like i i think to myself like i'm not gonna let this consume my life next so we'll be back though we're gonna take a brief commercial break oh we're done mm-hmm. yeah do we go for an hour Twelve fifty one. Wow. I honestly Wayne thought, Brady, everybody. I thought it was like thirty minutes into this. 
Well, hey, if, if my if my producer here, you know, says we're done, then we're done. But hey, Austin, I really appreciate you coming yeah, me out. Too, man. Thanks for um, Never Alone Recovery. Yeah. Is what it is. Same. And you want to kind of advertise that a little bit, a website, maybe a Facebook page? Yeah. Same name. So Facebook.com slash backslash, whatever the hell it's called, Never Alone Recovery. Um, you can also look me up on Facebook, Austin W. Wynn, middle initial W. Um, and the website's the same name, which is just NeverAloneRecovery.com. Check us out on Google. Um, you'll find us on there. Um, 844-364-4445. I guess one thing I'll say, and it'll be my first time advertising this. Because, like, I do realize, too, like, we do have, like, a problem in society with you know, addictions and Hell yeah. people dying. So I guess I could honestly say if you or someone you know is struggling with an addiction, reach out. Like, especially for like the people that tune in because a lot of them are based in this area. Yeah. Or like, even if tune you know in someone, and I mean... Just give the information. Like, why not? It's like you have the poison control information on hand. Why not have this? Yeah, exactly. You know? People you are going to like listen to this and be like, huh, you know, maybe, maybe my cousin can actually like look into something like this. He struggles with something. Yeah. She struggles with and something. And I'm going to be honest that honestly... If anyone tells me, like, look, I don't know anyone at all that's ever struggled with addiction, it's one of two things. You're lying or you're still ignorant to it, which means you just haven't found out yet. Yeah, addiction is honestly time, more common. <laughs> you know somebody. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's not comfortable to admit it, but, like, you know, why not? Like, if we want to live to help each other, I mean, why not just at least have the information and bring it up? Have the hard discussion. I avoided talking about my past for years till I realized, like, what if me telling the truth about my life doesn't change the truth of my life? It's there either way. So what, what if saying it out loud brings one person, one mom to say, you know what? I see this going on and I don't want my kid dead. You know? There you go. That's Take the awesome. opportunity to save yourself. Decide your life's worth living. One day at a time, right? Yeah. One day at a time. That's the truth. But hey, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Once again, Austin, thank you for coming right. out and kind of taking your time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is it now. We're going to be wrapping up. So uh, we'll be back again with another episode of Hashtime. Have a good one. Wayne Brady, everybody. <laughs>